Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The opinions expressed in the following episode do not necessarily reflect those of the Minds of Madness podcast. Listener discretion is advised. It was a date Brittany Tavar had been preparing for, for over a year, July 7th, 2010, the day she planned to stand before a judge at the St. Augustine, Florida courthouse to present evidence that would hopefully grant her request for a permanent restraining order against her nemesis, a neighbor and former friend. Brittany told friends she'd been building the case against her neighbor out of fear, fear for her safety. So when she never showed up at the courthouse that day, those who loved Brittany knew something was wrong. An instinct later confirmed after Brittany's home was found empty and spotless, with the unmistakable scent of bleach lingering in the air. It appeared 45-year-old Brittany Tavar had vanished, along with her two Bichon Freeze dogs. Her Toyota RAV4 was also gone, leading everyone to initially believe she'd just taken off. Join me now as we explore the disappearance of Brittany Tavar, who had hopes of settling down in a peaceful Oceanside community, only to find yourself caught up in a year-and-a-half-long feud and a life turned upside down. You'll discover how one woman's generosity and kind heart were ultimately used against her, and how detectives eventually put the pieces together to find out where Brittany Tavar had gone. Located an hour's drive north of Daytona Beach sits St. Augustine, a city on the eastern coast of Florida, a beach town adorned with cobblestone streets and several beautiful beaches to explore. The perfect place, it seemed, for an independent woman like Brittany Tavar to put down her roots. Throughout her life, Brittany never worried about money. Thanks to a trust fund set up by her family, Brittany could take up hobbies, pursue careers in acting and modeling, or go on any vacation her heart desired. And because her family was scattered throughout the U.S., Brittany wasn't tied to one place and could live pretty much anywhere. But it was in her late 40s that Brittany decided it was time to create a real home for herself, and a lovely house on South Beach Drive in St. Augustine, Florida seemed like the perfect place. A quiet residential street, just a three-minute walk from the sandy shores of Volano Beach. Just north of Brittany's home was the Oceanfront Serenata Beach Club, 
an exclusive club providing its members with private access to Ponte Vedra Beach, along with all the amenities of a luxury vacation, all just an hour's drive away. As a new transplant to the area, Brittany was attracted to the social scene of the club and joined not long after moving to Florida, hoping to find herself a network of friends. But the beach club wasn't the only place Brittany made friends. Being the gregarious, free-spirited extrovert she was, Brittany made friends wherever she went, including her own neighborhood, which is where she met Ann Leiden, a neighbor she'd gotten to know, as neighbors often do, while out walking their dogs. Soon the women started walking their dogs together and even started a dog breeding company together. And from there, the friendship grew, with Brittany often visiting Ann at her home, chatting as Ann worked away in her garden. Then, in 2008, Brittany started dating a friend of Ann's named Billy, and for a time, everything appeared to be falling into place in Brittany's life. She owned a beautiful beach house, had a real estate career, a boyfriend, a group of friends at a pristine beach club. It was looking like Brittany had created a corner of the world she could comfortably and happily call home. That's until her relationship with Billy turned sour in the new year of 2009, which in turn put a strain on her friendship with Anne. After the breakup, Billy arranged to pick up some of his things left behind at Brittany's, but was given specific instructions by Brittany to come alone. Fearing it might be a tense and awkward situation, Billy asked his friend Anne and her husband Michael to tag along and help keep the peace. But things didn't go exactly as planned. As soon as the three of them arrived at Brittany's house, chaos erupted, ending with Brittany hitting Anne over the head with a wine bottle. How the altercation escalated to such a degree between the two women, who were friends no less, is unclear. However, when the dust finally settled and the two women had been pulled apart, Brittany called the police, claiming Anne had assaulted her. After hearing both women's accounts, police returned to Brittany's home and arrested her on battery charges after she admitted to wrapping her hand around Anne's throat at one point during the struggle. What followed was Brittany receiving a year of probation and being required to attend anger management classes, performing community service, and ordered to stay completely away from Anne for a year. But against Brittany's best efforts, Anne and Brittany's worlds were destined to collide again after Anne and Michael decided to become members of the Serenata Beach Club. A beach club that had become a safe haven for Brittany. A beach club that wasn't big enough for the both of them. After not interacting for over a year, the two women were now suddenly bumping into each other frequently at the club, turning what was supposed to be a beautiful oasis by the ocean for Brittany into a complete nightmare. Brittany confided in friends and family she was afraid of Anne after the brawl and had become so worried for her safety, she began recording videos of Anne whenever she was around. Obviously, being constantly filmed by someone she loathed didn't sit well with Anne. It wasn't just annoying, it was infuriating. Brittany hoped, by recording her interactions with Anne, 
she'd be able to build a case against her and could get a restraining order, putting her social life at the beach club back on track. In the meantime, the awkward cold war between the women continued on until tensions reached a boiling point in May 2010, when police were involved again. This time, Brittany claimed Anne had thrown her camera in the Serenata Beach Club pool after she videotaped her. Brittany also had reason to believe Anne had keyed her car in the club parking lot. It was an incident that left Brittany more determined than ever to get Anne out of her life once and for all and had a court date set for July 7th, 2010, where a judge would hear and see all the evidence she'd been compiling and hopefully grant a restraining order. There was no question in Brittany's mind. There was no more important date on her calendar than July 7th. But when the day finally came, Brittany never showed. Had she chickened out, got cold feet, or had something happened to her? By not showing up, Brittany's chance of getting that restraining order had flown right out the window. No one could understand it. Brittany's feud with Anne had been practically an obsession, with friends all knowing she'd never willingly miss the opportunity to present her case before a judge. After repeatedly trying to get into contact with Brittany with zero success, her friends managed to track down a sister who lived in Oregon. The next day, acting on the authority of her family, Brittany's friends hired a locksmith to gain access to her house. When they arrived, they could not only see the house was clean, they could smell it, with the unmistakable smell of bleach wafting through the air. There were also a few other things that raised the friend's eyebrows. Brittany's Toyota RAV4 was missing, as well as her two prized Bichon Freeze dogs. Strangely, her cats were still there, left without extra food, water, or plans for anyone to take care of them something Brittany would never do if she'd been planning to be away for a few days. Another thing she'd never do is leave the air conditioning running while she was away. In fact, it was something she was fastidious about. But there was the AC, still cranking out icy cold air on high blast. Now, although Brittany was known to be adventurous, even spontaneous at times, the circumstances of Brittany's sudden disappearance wasn't sitting well with her family and friends. Where was she? And where were the dogs she loved so much? Was it possible that the stress of dealing with an ongoing court case influenced Brittany to leave St. Augustine and go on a cross-country trip? It wasn't entirely out of the realm of possibility. It just didn't feel right. At the time, Brittany's friends and family filed a missing persons report and tried to impress upon local police that Brittany wouldn't have missed her chance to settle her year-long dispute in court with Anne. The out-of-character behavior, it seemed, was enough for police to decide to take a look into Brittany's case. Anne Leiden was, of course, on the top of the list of people police needed to speak to. After all, the women hated each other, and everyone knew it. After a year and a half of bad blood between them, there was no question Anne was the only one who benefited from Brittany not showing up for their court date. But once they began looking into Anne, nothing seemed to miss. 
It all started with them narrowing down the timeline of Brittany's disappearance and discovering surveillance footage from a gas station near Brittany's home. Footage taken at about 9pm the night before Brittany failed to show up in court. So 9pm on the night of July 6th became investigator's starting point. And as it turned out, Anne Leiden had a perfectly airtight and verifiable alibi. For the entire time period between 9pm on July 6th and the following day on July 7th. Surprisingly, Brittany's arch-nemesis, it seemed, had nothing to do with her disappearance. In fact, police didn't find any evidence of foul play whatsoever. And without suspecting foul play, there really wasn't much help police could offer the family. The gas station footage didn't show Brittany in any kind of duress. It simply showed her pumping gas getting back into her RAV4 and driving off. And maybe it was as simple as that, that she'd just simply driven away. For police, it seemed, the most likely scenario. An entire week had passed since anyone had seen Brittany. Her dogs, on the other hand, were another story. 300 miles, a five-hour drive north of St. Augustine, Cooper and Huey were found separately wandering a rural area in Columbia, South Carolina, without their collars on. Luckily, Brittany had her dogs microchipped, and veterinarians in South Carolina were able to connect Cooper and Huey to their missing owner from Florida, the kind of break the family had been hoping for. For Brittany, abandoning her two beloved dogs would have been like abandoning her own children. It was simply out of the question that there could be a reasonable, innocent explanation for their discovery two states away. This was evidence of foul play, and it was time for police to consider the possibility Brittany may have very well have been the victim of a crime. With this new information, police officially reopened Brittany's missing persons case. But after ruling out Brittany's neighbor Anne from the equation, they needed to look somewhere else. More importantly, at someone else. That's when they began looking into the other person who also went conspicuously missing around the same time as Brittany. A man who'd been staying in one of Brittany's spare bedrooms for a time, benefiting from her kindness and generosity. A mysterious young homeless man she tried passing off as her nephew to friends, Joseph Roberts. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Those closest to Brittany 
nor to be the kind of person never to shy away from new opportunities or adventures that might make a good story. But among the qualities her friends appreciated most about Brittany was her tremendously compassionate heart and selflessness when it came to helping others. On eight separate occasions, Brittany had taken in homeless men, mostly complete strangers, down on their luck and needed support and a temporary place to stay. In exchange for a roof over their head, the men Brittany took in helped around the house, doing odd jobs and yard work to maintain her picturesque beachfront home. Basically, it was her version of effective altruism before that term was even a thing, a practice that didn't sit well with some of Brittany's neighbors, who often felt that Brittany's penchant for taking in strays made their exclusive neighborhood less safe. In June of 2010, Brittany met Joseph Roberts at a local Barnes & Noble bookstore and decided to take him in. But now that police were looking for him, he was nowhere to be found. 26-year-old Joseph Dean Roberts didn't look anything like what most people imagine when they hear the word homeless. Joseph was a well-put-together, healthy, good-looking man who carried himself confidently and blended in seamlessly with the countless other young men who came and went from the beach town. At the Barnes & Noble, Joseph told Brittany he'd recently lost his job at a local gas station, and by his appearance alone, Brittany didn't see Joseph as a threat and decided to help him out. To friends, Brittany introduced Joseph as her nephew, which was believable given their age difference of 19 years. For Brittany, there was never any romantic motivations behind taking in the homeless men. Even with Joseph being young and attractive, he was no exception. Brittany simply had the means to help and preferred company over living alone. Once police began digging into Joseph's past, they quickly discovered he wasn't exactly the man he led Brittany to believe he was. They also learned that Brittany hadn't been the first woman to sympathize with Joseph. Although Joseph and his past are largely mysterious, in the weeks before Brittany disappeared, Joseph stayed with a variety of different women in the area who later came forward about their encounters with him. And this is where a clear pattern of destruction began to emerge with Joseph at the helm. From August 2008 to January 2009, Joseph lived with his manager from the Kangaroo gas station, a woman named Renee. At the time, Joseph alternated between living in his car and a motel whenever he could afford it. Renee and Joseph came to an agreement that he could rent a room from her, and for a while the arrangement seemed to be going smoothly, until it wasn't. Towards the end of 2008, Renee noticed Joseph's demeanor beginning to change with him seemingly becoming disinterested in the world around him, now spending the majority of his time alone in his room on a computer. His personal hygiene also took a nosedive, but Joseph had been upfront with Renee about his struggles with mental health and depression, and so Renee tried her best to be patient and kind. However, that all changed one day, when Renee came home to find Joseph doing drugs in her house and asked him to move out. After leaving, Joseph continued working at the gas station for another month or so, again sleeping in his car in a motel, 
until he got caught stealing from the gas station and was fired. Luckily, there was another woman named Cheryl who was willing to take him in, who he'd gotten to know while working night shifts at the gas station. After being through similar struggles herself in the past, Cheryl felt for Joseph and wanted to help him out. He confided in her that he didn't get along with his family because they were trying to get him admitted into a mental health facility. In exchange for the room, Joseph agreed to help out around the house and watch Cheryl's kids. But after a few months, Cheryl started to see the same pattern emerge Renee had witnessed, with Joseph's personal hygiene going downhill and him walking around the house in dirty clothes. He'd also disappear for days at a time, only to return strung out on drugs. For four months, Joseph stayed with Cheryl until she'd had enough and asked him to leave. Joseph was seen several times walking the beaches of St. Augustine and on multiple occasions, approaching women with the sad story of being homeless and falling on hard times. In hindsight, it became clear Joseph was actively trolling for women who'd feel sorry for him, take him in, and that he could mooch off of until they grew tired of him and kicked him out. For this reason, investigators believed Joseph and Brittany's chance meeting at the Barnes & Noble bookstore may not have been so coincidental after all. The more likely version was that Joseph had actually targeted Brittany. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. As police began probing Joseph's backstory, giant red flags started popping up everywhere only adding to the mystery. Was it possible Brittany had run off with Joseph? It already appeared he conned her into giving him a place to stay. What else was he capable of? After learning everything they could about Joseph, nationwide bolo alerts were put out for Brittany's Blue Rat 4, as well as Joseph Roberts himself, now considered a person of interest in a missing person case. Warrants were also issued for Grand Theft Auto and unlawful flight to avoid prosecution. After the warrants were put out for Joseph, police jurisdictions from around the country were looking for him, but someone had seen him. A police officer from Evanston, Wyoming, reported stopping Joseph on July 7th for speeding, just four days after Brittany's disappearance. But since Joseph was stopped in Evanston before the alert went out for his arrest, he'd simply been let go after being warned to slow down. The vehicle he'd been driving was none other than Brittany's Blue RAV4. 
Police in Florida were desperate to know if Brittany had been with Joseph when he was pulled over. But the police officer who'd stopped Joseph couldn't recall if he'd seen a passenger in the vehicle. When police began tracking Brittany's credit cards, they realized they were still being used, tracing charges from Florida into South Carolina, where the dogs had been found, towards the Pacific Northwest, with stops being made in Wyoming, Idaho, and Oregon. Some people back in St. Augustine believed Brittany had simply up and left. Perhaps the stress from her feud with Anne had finally become more than she could bear. And now that the cops knew, Joseph, the credit cards, and the RAV4 were at West, the only real question left, was Brittany with him or not? But the trail started going cold when the charges on the credit cards stopped and there was no more signs of the RAV4. August and September came and went, and still, no sign of Brittany. Until October 12th, when something strange happened. Joseph Roberts was arrested in Seattle, Washington, for shoplifting, three months after leaving St. Augustine. The suspect in a nationwide manhunt had finally been captured stealing a measly $14 worth of deli meat. It's astounding. After being arrested, police soon realized Joseph was the same man wanted in Florida in connection with a missing persons case. It would be in a Seattle interrogation room where St. Augustine police would finally learn the answer to the disappearance they'd been investigating. And over the course of the next three hours, Joseph would tell police the horrible tale of what really happened to Brittany on July 7th. When Brittany took Joseph in, she'd bought him a computer based on the understanding he'd help her build a website for a business she was starting up. That's when she discovered he was also handy at editing videos and creating DVDs, which worked out perfectly because Brittany had just the project for him. In preparation for her court date, Brittany asked Joseph to compile the footage she'd recorded of Anne onto a single DVD she could present to the judge. She felt confident that the judge would rule in her favor after seeing the footage. The night before the court date, after attending a neighborhood party together, Brittany asked Joseph to finish formatting the DVD so it would be ready for her to take the next morning to court, which Joseph said he did and then went to bed. But when he woke up the next morning, he said he found Brittany awake and furious, apparently unhappy with the quality of his work. The next part of Joseph's confession plays out like a gruesome tale of boiled-over anger he couldn't contain any longer, and he completely snapped. Next, Joseph said, he grabbed a hammer from the kitchen and began hitting Brittany over the head with it. But Brittany survived the blows to her skull. When Joseph realized she was still alive, he said he used a knife to cut her throat. Surprised by the overwhelming amount of blood, Joseph said he frantically gathered up all the towels in the house and poured bleach on the floor to wipe away the evidence. How did you know to use bleach? Or is that just what was available? What was available, but also because that's what they tell you in TV shows and all that crap is that bleach kills basically everything. At what point did you decide to um, 
to move her out of the house? And how did you move her out of the house? Mm, I, uh, well, at first I didn't decide to move her out of the house. I, I didn't know what I was going to do with her. I, I eventually, uh, I thought about putting her in the attic and tried to, and I couldn't. After wrapping her body in sheets, Joseph said he put her in the back of the RAV4, along with garbage bags filled with the blood-soaked towels, then tossed in a shovel and drove off, out to a wooded area off a state road where he attempted to bury the evidence. But when he started digging and realized how difficult it was, Joseph gave up and left the body in the garbage bags hidden beneath some bushes. Exhausted after all his failed efforts, Joseph returned to the only home he had, Brittany's house, and fell asleep. A few hours later, Joseph packed up Brittany's dogs in the RAV4 and sped off. His rationale for taking the dogs and leaving the cats behind was that he knew cats wouldn't draw any attention to an empty house. Dogs barking, on the other hand, would surely set off some alarm bells. He also knew that in order to make it look like Brittany had left on her own accord, the dogs needed to be gone too, because no one would ever believe Brittany would leave them behind. After three hours of questioning, Joseph gave a full confession, along with a hand-drawn map with directions to a wooded area off State Road 207 in Florida. There, Joseph told police they'd find Brittany Tavares' remains, and that's precisely where they found them. A week after being located, on August 18, 2010, Brittany's remains were positively identified. In the end, Joseph was transported back to Florida and charged with first-degree murder, a charge he pled not guilty to. The family, who only wanted to see justice for Brittany, would have to wait nearly another four years before the case came to a resolution. In the first six months of his arrest and ensuing trial, Joseph went through four or five different attorneys, with many of the legal arguments surrounding his case dealing with Joseph's mental state at the time of the murder and questions as to whether he was fit to stand trial. Joseph's various lawyers also attempted to get his confession thrown out on legal technicalities, but this, in and of itself, was an interesting conundrum because Joseph's confession was the only reason they ever located Brittany's body in the first place. On May 2nd, 2014, almost four years after he murdered Brittany, the case reached its conclusion with Joseph pleading guilty to second-degree murder. Thirty years old at the time, the man who drifted in and out of various women's houses and lives in his mid-twenties was now being sentenced to 30 years behind bars. Those closest to Brittany remember her for her kindness, big heart, and unreserved ability to go out in the world and try for anything she wanted. Brittany was drawn to help those in need, and that generosity and kindness turned out to be a vulnerability that Joseph Roberts took advantage of. To date, Brittany's case remains one of the biggest crime stories to ever come out of the small historic beach town of St. Augustine, Florida. And if it hadn't have been for Brittany's determined friends and family following their instincts, what really happened to Brittany on July 7th, 2010 
may have remained a mystery to this day. Other than Brittany's murderer being brought to justice, perhaps the only other comforting outcome was what happened to the two animals Brittany cared for and loved with all her heart, Cooper and Huey. After they were found aimlessly wandering the streets alone in South Carolina, one of Brittany's closest friends took them in. All of Brittany's friends and family agreed Brittany would have wanted her dogs to be with someone who cared for them and loved them just as much as she had. And now I'd like to introduce the podcast, Human Monsters. I'm Morgan Rector, host of the Human Monsters True Crime Podcast. Do you find life boring within the comfort zone? Then this is the right show for you. This show does not spare the graphic details. It will test your endurance. Consider some testimonials from my listeners. Stephanie Jordan said... Some episodes, even for me, I had to take a mental health break from, only to crave more of it. Karen Erdman says, It's like a train wreck you can't turn away from. Anna Scholes, I was looking over my shoulder because I felt like I should have been, or was going to be, arrested for even listening. The offenders profiled in human monsters are among the most inhumane. These people specialize in the unthinkable. Human Monsters, available wherever you get your podcasts. Follow The Minds of Madness on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, and all other podcast platforms. If you'd like to support this show and get some extra perks, like early release and ad-free episodes, go to patreon.com slash madnesspod. Our website can be found at mindsofmadnesspodcast.com. To find us on Facebook and Instagram, search The Minds of Madness, and on Twitter using the handle at madnesspod. To listen to The Minds of Madness and other Wondery shows ad-free, start your free trial of Wondery Plus at wonderyplus.com slash madness. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.